Today's talk is a request, even though I haven't been here for a couple of weeks, I was, where was I? I know for only one week. Last week was Sister's turn to give the Dharma talk. Uh, I do remember a couple of weeks ago someone asked me to give a talk on gossip. <laughs> because gossip does cause a lot of problems. And I don't think there's anyone here who's perfectly innocent of spreading gossip, especially when it's really interesting and fascinating. But unfortunately, gossip causes a lot of problems in our community, and it's not a nice thing to do, and there are certain karmic results of gossip, so it's a wonderful thing to try and restrain and so in today's talk, I'll be talking about gossip, why we gossip, how we can overcome gossip, and that way we can have a much more peaceful and happy lives. So sometimes, first of all, one of the problems with gossip is sometimes we hear something and we get it all wrong and then we tell the tale and we get very embarrassed afterwards when what we say happened didn't really happen. I have a great time as a Buddhist monk because there are so many things I shouldn't do that you are more open to gossip than anybody else. For example... <laughs> Just because I was tired one day and I mentioned to somebody having just come back from Singapore that over in Singapore I'd met this nice young girl and I was going to marry her. And of course people said, What? We're not letting you go to Singapore ever again. And I had to explain that I was doing her marriage service for her. I wasn't really married. <laughs> I was actually doing the marriage service, which is what I mean by marrying people. But sometimes people were quite disappointed when I explained it because that was such a nice bit of gossip that I deprived them of giving them the proper explanation. So why is it that people get so much fun out of gossip? But first of all, the danger is that, you know, to simple words or simple actions we can very easily misunderstand and it creates a lot of problems and difficulties for everybody. Actually, I just came back from Melbourne. I was there last weekend uh, doing the WASAC celebrations for the Buddhist Society of Victoria. So you should really be very proud of your monks and nuns in this uh, Perth because we export monks to different parts of the world for their ceremonies. So this year we export. I went over to Vietnam for uh, WASAC ceremonies there and uh, Venerable Bamali, Ajahn Bamali, was exported to Singapore to do their WASAC ceremonies there. I also went to Melbourne, and Ajahn Jayasiri went up to Newman to do the WASAC ceremonies there, so that we have uh, an export base of monks and nuns in this uh, beautiful temple and uh, Buddhist society here. But when I was over in Melbourne, I heard the source of another piece of gossip, which you know, actually affected me about uh, two months ago. I don't know why it was, but I got all these calls, especially from Melbourne, and this piece of gossip even reached Los Angeles. 
And they asked, can we speak to Ajahn Brahm? Is he all right? And I answered the phone and said, as far as I know, I'm all right. What's up? He said, we heard you've got cancer and in hospital and are dying. And I said, of those three things, one is right. I'm not in hospital. I'm in the monastery. And I haven't got cancer. But I am dying. Maybe another 20, 30 years. But, you know, the process has started. So you got that one right. But apparently it was just because another monk in Thailand had got cancer and was in hospital. And you know that all the monks, we have the prefix, prefix Ajahn, Ajahn this and Ajahn that, even the nuns Ajahn Wayam. And it was just a monk whose, whose name was similar to mine. And he called one Ajahn just sounds like the Ajahn, other Ajahn. And so they were uh, all sort of phoning up for Melbourne, expressing their sympathy for me which I thought that was very, very nice. But nevertheless, it wasn't true. And sometimes it was very embarrassing for them. And I actually found the culprit in Melbourne. And she was so apologetic. But I said, no, thank you so much. Because all that gossip made me very happy. I really enjoyed laughing at all these people. Well, actually not laughing at them, but laughing with them when they were so concerned that I was dying. At least I made their day by saying, I'm sorry you'll have to put up with me and my jokes for another 20, 30 years. But nevertheless, you know, that sometimes the gossip can cause problems. So number one, we have to make sure we got our facts right. And then if, you, if we have got our facts right, why is it that people always like to uh, spread the bad rumors about this person did something wrong. Why are we just so negative with our speech? Obviously, I think it's because we live in a competitive society. And because we live in a competitive society, instead of actually exceeding our own uh, abilities and just uh, striving for excellence or striving to sort of grow and to, to do well, Sometimes one way of succeeding is putting everybody else down, especially those who are in our same competitive area. And of course, you know, my area is religion, and so in order to increase my market share, <laughs> sometimes, you know, is a temptation to put other people down, to put down your competitors. And I experienced that eight days ago. Eight days ago, many of you living here in Perth may have seen on the news there was the, uh, the ordination of the first Australian Anglican woman bishop. And I was there. I got invited to go along. Uh, not to become a bishop, obviously, but just to attend the ceremony. And uh, there was only two non-Christians in the whole church. So me and my driver which was an interesting. <laughs> Everyone else was, was being Christian. But I was on the pew of the members of other faiths, sandwiched between my old friend Abbot Placid from the monastery in New Norcia. Many of you know there's only two monasteries or big monasteries in Western Australia. And so the Benedictine Catholic monastery up in New Norcia, that's you know, basically the only other abbot in the whole of the state for thousands of miles. So every now and again we meet together and we would discuss abbot business. <laughs> and so we're actually very best of friends. So I was sandwiched between him and a representative of the moderator of the uh, Uniting Church. 
The one thing, I, actually, I, I don't think I'll ever become a Christian because they did a sermon from, I think, from the Bible, I think it from Ezekiel. And I always remember this because I always walked out the, the church straight away because apparently that God said in the Bible, Christian Bible, that he will look after all the disabled, all the harmed, all the weak, but he will destroy all the fat. And when I heard that, I thought, that's really unfair, I'm leaving this place, so I can never become a, anyone who's a bit overweight like me, don't become a Christian, you'll get destroyed. <laughs> but I thought that was really funny, so I, that really made my day, it's worthwhile listening, because I got, got a good joke out of that one. But nevertheless, when I was talking to the other sort of people, sometimes they were quite negative about all the ceremonies. I just noticed that. Why is it that, you know, I can go to a Christian ceremony and I don't put the Christian ceremony down, but when you go to someone who's very close to you, like another Buddhist monk, it's very easy to put it down. Because most of our gossip, especially most of the negative gossip, are around our competitors whoever those competitors happen to be. It's just like negative speech. But the one thing I remember as far as religion is concerned, and this is one thing that as Buddhists we should be, if anything, quite proud of. In India there is a stone column, there's many stone columns, with inscriptions from an old uh, Indian emperor called Asoka from 2300 years ago. He was a Buddhist, the first Buddhist emperor uh, in that whole Indian subcontinent, and he wrote in stone the following words, anyone who defames or criticizes another religion only succeeds in putting down his own faith. It was a wonderful little saying. So when you criticize and put down others, all you're doing is just you know, showing your lack of virtue and wisdom and compassion especially the lack of compassion of your faith. So sometimes when religions go criticizing others, all you really see from that is just the, the lack of depth and profundity in that sort of particular religion. So hopefully every time you come to this place, you don't find us putting down other religions or comparing us with the, with the temple next door, saying, we are the best temple, don't go to those those scallywag monks or nuns in the next temple in the next suburb. We never do that because that is like the rhetoric of negativity when we try and push ourselves up by just putting down other people. And that's the stuff of gossip. Why do we do that for? We do that with the intention, if I can criticize or tell the tale on someone else, the terrible things or the bad actions they have done, therefore it makes me superior. It doesn't. It just shows just the weakness of your spirituality. When you go and gossip negatively about someone else, you're just lowering yourself, not them. So when you understand that, it's not a good thing to go and tell about what other people have done when it's bad. Instead, there's one type of gossip which I really like, and which I really encourage. And that is gossiping about all the wonderful things someone else has done. In other words, being a person who conveys praise and success rather than puts down other people. 
So I thought it was wonderful. I personally, even though much of the Christian faith seems a bit weird to me, but that's my upbringing as a Buddhist monk for all these years. But it's wonderful they did an ordination of a, of a woman as a bishop. It's a great move forward for, for the whole of the religious, uh, non-religious uh, people of Australia. So I really support that. So I can gossip about good things. If you gossip about good things, what a wonderful, uh, uh, inspiring, uplifting thing that would be. That when you, you come home, you say, hey, Guess what so-and-so did in the office today? And it's something beautiful and wonderful and inspiring. Instead of just saying rotten things about one another. Because of that competitive society in which we live, we tend that gossip is another type of speech which puts other people down because we think that's a way of raising ourselves and all those put-downs, all those negativities... That does lodge in the human mind. And after a while, some people in our societies, because they heard such negativity again and again and again about other people and even themselves, such negativity leads to depression. And even sometimes suicides. When people put the world down so much and everything is wrong and everything is awful, what does that do to people? You just, after a while you get worn down. The negative speech, of which gossip is one example, is one of the greatest causes of um, lack of self-esteem, guilt, anger, frustration, has huge consequences for people's mental health, physical health, and also social cohesion and well-being. It's just too easy to put people down. Instead, what I would reckon people should do is actually put the effort into seeing something good in other people and gossiping about that. That's much, much nicer. And also far positive and creates better harmony and peace wherever you go. And I still remember reading about this one guy who would never say a bad word about anybody. Even when people did something wrong, he'd find some mitigating circumstances and praise that person. And I remember, according to what I heard, his colleagues at work were so frustrated about this guy because he was so different, because he would never gossip or put down anybody. They once asked him, you say such nice things about everybody, say something nice about Adolf Hitler, the mass murderer of so many millions of Jews. Say something nice about him. And straight away he said, Oh, Adolf Hitler, yes. He was a leader in his field. <laughs> Maybe that's stretching things a bit, but at least you could see he had the idea of saying nice things about people. And you can if you really want. I remember um, hearing this lecture, I think it was by the ex-Governor-General, Sir William Dean. And he gave this wonderful anecdote about a very wealthy family, an old family in the United States, who were writing their family's biography. And not having like an author in their family, they hired a professional you know, to research their history and write a book about their family's um, life from generation to generation in the United States. And they asked the author, please tell the truth, but, you know, don't sort of um, 
say anything which would be uh, detrimental to our reputation. And they admitted that there was one problem. They had one black sheep in their families. All families have so-called black sheep. And this particular fellow had been uh, found guilty of rape, had been sentenced to death, and had been executed by the electric chair. And, this, and the author had a very lot of difficulty. How can I say something nice about this? But this author should have been a politician because he wrote that so-and-so, uncle so-and-so, that late on in his life uh, he was admitted to a, a, a position in a well-known federal institution where, <laughs> where he... He ended his life as holder of an important famous chair and his death came as a shock. <laughs> which, which is when you know the full story was true. But at least you can, <laughs> at least you can credit that author for knowing not how to spread bad gossip but to actually to spread something which is positive. <laughs> even in the most difficult of situations. Now the reason why spreading positive news is important and not spreading negative news, in other words when we do gossip about other people, we say about their good qualities, is because saying about good qualities actually inspires and encourages human beings. When we hear good news, positive news, praise, it actually gives us more energy, more hope, you know, more a sense that this life is not such a bad thing. And it also gives us an opportunity to have this wonderful sense of appreciation of other people's goodness. And when we appreciate the goodness in the world, it does actually encourage us to contribute more to such goodness, to emulate the people's praise we hear. Basically, it encourages us to be better people. But when we hear other people's you know, so-called criticisms and the gossip about who did what to whom, and it's all negative stuff, that doesn't encourage us to do better. It just maybe say, well, we're not that bad anyway, what's the matter? We can also do bad things as well. It actually lowers us. And so that's why if you're going to gossip at all, gossip about nice things, good things, what other people in the office have done which is good and wonderful, what other people in their life has done has been good and wonderful. If you develop that positive state of mind, not only are you going to be spiritually better, happier, more at peace, more inspired, more encouraged, but you're also going to be contributing to greater harmony in this world. Look at all the times that religions criticize one another and it creates wars and jihads and bombings and stuff. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we praise one another? Where would the wars go then? even though we have difficulties and differences, that little bit of praise creates a great deal of harmony. So I, I put the cause of this competitive criticism of which gossip is an example, back in you know, the way we run our societies, again, especially in our competitive schools, where from the very early ages we are graded. 
and our parents try and uh, encourage us to do well, and that's a great problem for our kids because only half of our children are going to be above average. <laughs> and you know that, I say that, so some of your children are going to be below the academic average. 50% of you are going to have children above, no, below the average, 50 above the average. But the trouble is that because we don't accept that, we push and we make it competitive, and the more competitive our society becomes, the less cooperative it becomes. I've made a suggestion many times, and I think it's a really good one. You keep throwing these things out, because sooner or later someone will hear this, and will actually try it out in our schools. You know, the schools, are, they really need a reform. We've been doing the same thing for the last hundreds of, hundreds of years, hundred years, in our schools. Why don't uh, we have examinations of which your personal score at the end of the year only counts for maybe 60% of your total. And the other 40% is averaged over the whole class. So if the other people in the class don't do well, that drops your score down as well. So it's in everybody's interest, especially interest of the high flyers in one class in a school to go out of their way to help the weak kids. Because by them helping the weak children, their own score goes up. Basically, it's rewarding cooperation and not just rewarding competition. Really, we have to reward both to encourage both. What we reward is what grows. So by rewarding cooperation, that's part of your personal score at school, comes from the how well you cooperate over the whole class of which you're a member, as well as your personal competition, then we are equipping our kids with the skills which they need in real life. You all know that if it's in an office, in a workplace, even on a building site, or in a monastery, c competition is important, but also cooperation is also vital. And I think all of you know that at work, how much cooperation actually is there? How many times do people complain about office politics, backstabbing, and people unable to work together? Let alone in the office, how about in your home, where husband and wife know how to compete? In other words, argue to see who's right and who's wrong. But how often do we lack the skills of cooperation, working together? It's because it comes from our schooling, where competition is rewarded, and outside of like team sports, team sports are important because that's where you have to learn how to cooperate. But where we have cooperation and competition, and more cooperation is encouraged in our schools, maybe then we can be a more cooperative, harmonious, cohesive society. We know how to work together instead of working against each other. And maybe then we wouldn't have so much gossip which actually serves the divide of our society. You know how some gossip can just really, really harm and hurt your relationships. 
Look, this is this is a story about its danger. It's, I haven't told this for many years now. It's a story of the four Catholic priests who had gone to a seminar. Now I go to all these conferences, and you meet all your friends there because you, know, you go to these conferences very often. And one of the best things, as you know, if you do go to conferences, is the networking which you get. And so, you know, sometimes, especially as a religious person or a leader, sometimes you're with the same monks all day and all week and all year. And sometimes meeting other monks, nuns, different traditions, is really great. It sort of enhances your contacts and your understandings. So I really love going to these conferences. But anyway, these Catholic priests were going to the conference, and after the conference, it's always time to network, and they went to a walk on a path. And just the lecture... They'd just been to listen to was on the the Christian idea of confessing, you know, your your sins. And one of them said to the other, the other three said, "Look, I've been thinking about this. I've been inspired by that lecture. You know that people come and confess to us." Well, he said, "You know, I've been meaning to tell somebody for a long time. I've never really had the courage to do so. But seeing as how you're my friends." We're fellow spiritual uh, people. I want to confess that I have a problem. He said, and the problem was was gambling. Actually, on that, I have a confession to make. At that eight days ago in the church, I really had to find um, the dean of St George's Cathedral, John Shepherd. Many of you know he's actually given a talk here before. Because two years previously, we'd gone on to one of these um, ceremonies in Supreme Court Gardens, you know, the, the Buddha Day um, celebrations. And I called him beforehand, asked if he was going, and he was going, and he said, it's going to rain. I said, oh, it won't rain. It's a Buddha's you know, celebration. It doesn't rain in our celebrations. It doesn't want rain here. He said, I bet it rains. I said, I bet it won't. He said, how much? I said, two dollars. I shouldn't have said that. Because it did rain. <laughs> and apparently I heard, you know, from the grapevine, that he'd been going around and saying, Ajahn Brahma owes him two dollars. <laughs> so I went up to him, because we had our driver there, to pay off my gambling debts. Even <laughs> 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 Buddhist monks have gambling debts. <laughs> I should be really careful because I'm a tell too many jokes. So I I, I repaid him two dollars, and so I said <laughs> I settled my gambling debts. But it was just good fun between two good friends. So you know, I'm, we're friends with each other. So anyway, this um, Catholic priest said, "I'm a, a gambler. You know that sometimes you're not just like the Melbourne Cup, but anything. I have a bet on, and I'm. A, you know, some people are have got that addiction to gambling." And he said, look, I'm a gambler. And I know that's very bad, and a person in my position, like a priest, should not be that, but I am. And now they're actually uh, priests. We're really quite taken aback, because he looks such a really good guy, very virtuous. But at least they acknowledge, yeah, as long as you tell, you know, what you know, you've done, there's a possibility that, you know, you can get help. You know, this gambler's anonymous or whatever, and they said, look, we really support you for this. And there was the next priest was looking at the ground and he said, well, seeing as though you said this, I suppose it's right that I make my confession. And he says, alcoholic. 
after the service, any of that wine for communion left over, glug, 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 I drink it down. And then I go to the bar and whatever whiskey and stuff, and sometimes I you know, put on some glasses and a, and a hat and I go to the pub. And very often I get quite drunk. So I have an alcohol problem. And again, they were, he'd hidden it so well all those years. They, they never thought he was an alcoholic. They said, well, at least you confess it. Maybe you can do something about that. And then when they got into confessing their sins, they asked the third priest, what's your worst sin? And he just was not going to let on. But he got out afterwards. It was, you know, the old one, adultery. He'd just fallen in love with one of the parishioners and she was already married. And sometimes that happens. It's not a good thing, but at least he admitted it. And of course, no one suspected at all. And the other one said, well, at least we admire your courage for actually letting us know. And so they looked at the fourth priest, what's your worst sin? And he looked at his watch and said, it's about time we went to the conference. <laughs> and they said, no, come on, you can tell us. And he said, look, I can't. He said, come on, please. He said, don't ask me. And he said, surely it can't be worse than gambling, alcoholic, or adultery. And he says, it's much worse. Don't ask me. <laughs> so those of you who haven't heard it before, what do you think? It's much worse than gambling, alcoholic, and adultery. Eventually they got it out of him. He said, I'm a gossip. Man, you can understand why gossip is so bad. <laughs> they weren't very happy when he told them, that's for sure. He said he can't stop himself repeating stories when he's heard them. <laughs> so it's really dangerous. And also it does mean that you can't have this wonderful sense of trust between people, so what you tell them you know it's not going to be spread elsewhere. It happens to me very often that there's sometime in my position people let me in on their secrets and there's no way, even under torture, will I tell people what I've heard in confidence. Now that happened, you know, a few years ago. And you have an interest some people think that being a monk is very boring. But it's not. I have a great time as a monk, even though I don't expect these things. Because one day, a couple of years ago, uh, a senior detective from the Peel district, I think based in Mandurah, came to Bodhinyana Monastery in Serpentine, and he wanted to speak with me. Now, usually when detectives come to your house, you'd be dead scared. But, you know, I'm so virtuous, I've got nothing to hide. So it's really interesting. What do you want? What's up this time? And he told me that at that time, two years ago, the most wanted man in Western Australia was camping right next to our monastery. For those who have been to Subtown, on that big hill, as you go up Kingsby Drive, on the right-hand side, on the hill, this man was hiding out. They put a, uh, a bug on his girlfriend's car with a GPS on it, and they'd noticed this car going up that drive, and she wasn't coming to our monastery. She was just going next door to give food and supplies to her boyfriend, the most wanted criminal. And so the detective came up and said, the tactical response group is going to go in in a couple of days because this guy is armed. He's got guns. 
And I need to tell you this because, you know, when we go in, please tell all of your monks just to stay in their huts and get down because it could be real bullets. This was serious, real bullets flying around. And he said, if it's all right with you, you know, this is a secret here. Our monastery's got this big wall on the front. Can we use the wall, get behind it, so that we can dress, you know, because they lose all this, this gear, you know, protective armor and stuff, as our assembly point before we move in. And, you know, I'm a sort of very socially responsible abbot, and also, I'd never seen the tactical response group before, so this was interesting. So I said, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you've got a right, you've got TVs at home, I don't have TVs, I have to, I have to actually go for the real thing. <laughs> but the worst thing, he said, you have to tell your monks, but don't tell them what's going on. All you have to say is, when you hear something, get down, or stay in your huts. <laughs> so I had to have all the monks, I had a meeting and said, look, something's going to happen in two days, but I can't tell you what. <laughs> they weren't happy. <laughs> they were trying try to get it out of me, by any means. Come on, you can tell me, we're monks together. I won't tell anyone else, of course you will. <laughs> But I was really good, you know, for two or three days, I really kept that a secret until, you know, suddenly in the afternoon you could hear all these helicopters swooping by, you know, two or three helicopters coming really low, going very fast, and, you know, one of the monks sort of ran out, I had to tell him, get back in your hut. I was very lucky that they actually managed to get this guy without any violence. They hid behind the bushes and they sort of pounced on him, and he never realized anything. And it was very, very lucky because that man had a bald head. <laughs> True, if he'd have gone over the fence into our property, the police, the TRG would not know who to shoot at. <laughs> he could have mingled in so easily. <laughs> but that was just an example of how, as a monk, you actually do keep confidences. And if I was a gossip, you know, that I'd have told someone, who told someone else, who told someone else. And that would have meant, you know, that either some policeman might have got sort of um, wounded, and that operation would not have worked, and that sort of criminal, who was a very dangerous man, might have gone off and hurt other people. So it's really important that, you know, that people have got that restraint, even though you're dying to tell. You know, you don't. So, as a human being, who is sensitive, who is wise, we have to learn restraint of this, of our mouth. And if you are going to speak, say something nice. If you want a saying to write on your desk or write on your wall, it is, if you can't improve upon the silence, be quiet. Wonderful saying, if you can't improve upon the silence, be quiet. And a lot of time, negativity doesn't improve on anything at all. Praise does. Saying nice, kind of things about other people, that works. So this is what we mean about learning to restrain and train the way you speak. And if you can do that, it's amazing. Just one of the problems I feel is really shouldn't be happening in today's society and I know this is a huge problem, is the way that husbands and wives talk to each other. 
you can usually tell how long they've been married <laughs> by the way they speak to each other. <laughs> and why is it they keep putting each other down and criticizing and scoring points you know, at each other's expense? That's nasty. And you know it's nasty. It feels really rotten. So look, all the people here have got a partner. Can you not train yourself never to criticize them, but to say something nice? Can you do that? It's very easy to do. What you have to do, this is a way that through meditation, meditation is a training of the mind, but this particular part of meditation, I call it programming your mindfulness. In other words, putting a suggestion into your mind so that the mindfulness, the awareness, is taught how to restrain stupid speech, which is going to harm your relationship. What you do, if you're having this um, interaction with your husband, with your wife, you know, always negativity, tell yourself, the next time my partner says something negative to me, I will not say something negative back, but I'll say something nice. I usually repeat that three times, and next time my partner says something negative, I will respond with something nice. The next time my partner says something negative, I will respond with something nice. Say that to yourself, programming it in. Because what happens, you're back at home, you forgot what you've uh, programmed in, partner starts saying something negative, and the old habit, it's a bad habit, that's all, of being negative back, Mindfulness arises in that moment. You put in the suggestion, and it's amazing how effective this is. You put the program in, and at that particular moment, when you've told yourself to be careful, when your partner says something negative, you're about to just get into the old habit of saying something negative about it. You're mindful, you're aware. No, I'm going to say something nice. You change the habit that way. It's amazing. If you start saying th nice things to your partner, they start saying nice things back to you. Not only do you change yourself, but you change the way they relate to you. It's not that hard to do. And that will save your relationship and make it much, much happier. And more positive and more able to work together. In other words, to cooperate together in life rather than competing. And so we just change this negative speech. And that's also the gossip. In other words, when you want to say something negative about someone, you program yourself, train yourself, no, I'm not going to spread these negative rumors about anybody. I'm just going to say something positive about them. And that makes for a much nicer society and much nicer person. And really, like religions, of all things, we should be the leaders in positive spirituality. And so whenever I see any religion being so negative about other religions or other sects within their religion, I think that they're missing the whole point. Hopefully, you know, I may not be aware of this, but hopefully I put a lot of effort never to put down other religions when I'm sitting here. And hopefully I've been reasonably successful in that in certainly never putting down other parts of Buddhism, you know, which is so easy for people to do. We're the best, 
those guys out there that don't know what they're talking about. Because this is actually part, I read this with great happiness in the ancient Buddhist teachings, in the, in the teaching of non-conflict. You never criticize a person. Okay, you can actually criticize activity, it's bad to, to lie, and it's so harmful you know, to you know, overindulge in your senses, to the fact you're unfaithful to your partner. Those things are bad, in the sense you can see how harmful they are, but you never criticize the person. The old simile about that, about how you can sort of focus on faults in life without being a gossip or without being negative, that old simile of the two children in the supermarket. Checking out the with their mother, they were checking out their uh, purchases, and one child dropped a jar of honey, and it went splat all over the floor. In the parallel aisle, the child dropped the carton of milk, and that went splat on the floor. The mother of the child who dropped the honey said, You stupid boy! The mother of the child who dropped the milk said that was a stupid thing you did. Do you know the difference between those two? Huge difference. One is criticizing the person, the other one is criticizing the act. It's a stupid boy, or a stupid thing you did. There's a huge difference in that response. But I think that you can see that sometimes... When you criticize, sometimes we do the stupid response. You stupid wife. You dumb husband. Or you lazy child. You know, you crazy monk. I'm not a crazy monk. I do crazy things sometimes, but I'm not a crazy monk. There's a whole difference between there. Now this is sometimes gossip. It's all right to actually to focus on silly things which people do but not on silly people. Because that creates a lack of harmony, a lack of cooperation. When we focus on the bad thing, or the stupid thing, it means that we are not destroying the person. And that's what gossip often does. It destroys a person. And that's why that it's very harmful and hurtful. So if you are going to be critical about something, and sometimes we do need to be critical, to actually to point out the faults in our government, in our, in our um, religions, in our societies, in whatever else we're going to point faults into, yeah, but make sure it's depersonalized. Accurate, depersonalized, and as I've often been saying in private here, because a lot of time, People come after, after these talks and they ask these questions. Standard technique, if you are going to say something critical, always use sandwich technique. Sandwich technique is before you say any criti anything critical about a person or a body or whatever, say something nice about them first of all. Praise about five times, then criticize and then praise them afterwards. Sandwiched. So you sandwich your criticism between praise. You try that to your kids. How many people have trouble with their children? Especially when they get teenage. Why is that? Because, yeah, we criticize them. 
but not with the sandwich technique. Try sandwich technique. Let's say how much we really appreciate, you know, your son, you know, how much, you know, you love him, what a great son he is, what a marvelous person he is, how great he is at this. But, and then you sort of, you know, kicking with whatever, you know, he's not doing right, being too lazy. And then you praise him afterwards. Now, if you try things like that, imagine what that child hears. He hears that his parents appreciate him, value him, love him. That's what they hear first of all. So you set the ground to make sure the person is not feeling rejected. And then you give the criticism. And it's amazing, with praise our minds are open, we do listen then. But then it hurts. So you've got to reinforce the fact that they're valued by giving praise afterwards. That's much, much better. So if you are going to gossip about things which have gone wrong, at the very least, use the same technique you can gossip. Instead of having you heard about so-and-so, what she's done, have you heard about our president of our Buddhist society? She's such a wonderful president, spends so much time doing all this hard work, so much time sort of uh, working, she's got her own job, but she really gives such a lot of time. But she should be a bit more strict on telling people about the mobile phones during meditation. But no, everyone makes mistakes over there, and she's doing a really, really good job. And <laughs> now you see, that's just an example there. How <laughs> you could you do something without people getting too offended. And so that we can have the cooperation and the goodwill. So if there is a problem, we can solve it. And it's not that hard to do, and it changes just so much of the dynamic of your life, so you can have good relationships, but you can also address the problems which arise from time to time. But your whole idea, the intention, is to get something positive, to improve people, to improve yourself, to get a better harmonious, better society. But most gossip is just putting things down, criticizing, negative, and that's just such a hard society. And of course, as my position these days, you do meet so many politicians. And I just feel so sad for our politicians. And because we're so critical, we spread gossip about them, that's the... That's the bread and butter of newspapers sometimes, gossip about politicians, you know, one or two stupid things they do in their parties. But what about, what would you do in your parties? These are representatives of the people. In other words, they're one of us. It's probably what you do the same. I wouldn't, you know, because I don't go to parties, I'm a monk, but I don't know about you guys. <laughs> but look, can't we give them a bit of slack? You know, we want them to be one of the people to be able to. So I feel very, sometimes very sad about our politicians. And when we're just so fault-finding about our politicians, what actually happens is, who would want to be a politician these days? Would you like to do things like that, knowing that every little peccadillo, some newspaper is going to search into every corner of your private life and anything you do which is wrong? That's what they're going to put on the newspapers. One little bad statement. I think that's really unfair. And what it means is, really, 
good people maybe not attracted to to be leaders maybe we just make it just too unpleasant for people to do that job and so maybe we just don't get the very best of people to lead us in our society that's what happens when we have such a critical society full of gossip for finding negativity so this is important if we want to have a really nice society in the future a good marriage happy friends cooperating society can't we do it a little bit better we can if we sort of instead of gossiping about negativity to gossiping about nice things which people do have you heard what Alan Carpenter did have you heard what um, Senator Chris Evans did the immigration minister he actually arranged a meeting for our president and ourselves to try and fix up this problem with the the visas so it's a very nice thing to do and so we've got a way forward there so just an announcement please don't send all those letters for the time being it looks like we've got um, some movement here keep the letters in the drawer if we need them I'll ask you to send them next time just in case yeah, because sometimes these politicians are responsive if you treat them in the right way just like your like your wives, your husbands, your kids they are responsive if you treat them the right way there's a way of getting you know, getting some traction getting something better and good out of people and for those there's, there's some people they've been to my monastery they've become monks some of them are left some are still monks ask them now, as a leader of a monastery, I don't go around gossiping about monks or putting them down or criticizing them. Because I realize that's not the way you get the best out of the people you live with. You just praise, build them up, understand. So it's time to criticize, sandwich technique. It's amazing just what you can do that way. You have a harmonious society. And I hope that, you know, the the little microcosm of like a, a monastery, you know, I don't know how many monks, or how much community, you've got about 20, sometimes up to 30 people all living together, all guys with their own uh, different ways of doing things, and it's remarkably harmonious. There's always a few problems every now and again, but, you know, we get on together. We don't have fights. You never see me coming up here on a Friday with a, with a black eye. So we do have a harmony there, and this is actually how we do it. So, the talk this evening, gossip, be careful of it. And if some other people do gossip about you, and you're the end of that gossip, ah, just enjoy it. Nothing hurts people who say bad things about you than when you laugh and smile. <laughs> that really upsets them. Because why do they gossip? They, they gossip to try and put you down, to make you upset, to cause you pain. And one of the powerful sayings in that little book, just a simple one-liner, please never allow other people to control your happiness. What other people say and do, that's their business. There's no need to allow them to make you unhappy. I don't know when I realized that. It was such a great freedom. People could say whatever, whatever they liked about me. 
I wasn't going to get upset because I had the choice. And I wasn't under the control of other people. They can call me a fool, an idiot, stupid. Get a proper job, you're wearing girls' clothes. Looks like a dress. I don't care. You can say that. I'm just going to smile and be happy. And that, <laughs> that way, when you don't allow other people to control your happiness, whatever they say or whatever they do, sometimes people let you down. They don't turn up or they don't do what they ask to do. But is that really a reason to make you unhappy, to spoil your day? Some other stupid people? Why do you allow stupid people to make you upset? You put it that way, it's crazy, isn't it? You're the stupid person. So if that's the case, you understand, you're not going to allow other people to control your happiness. People gossip about you and they say stupid things about you. Oh, I find it very funny. Because <laughs> I know who I am, I know what I'm doing. And so when other people gossip about me or say about me, ah, oh, it's just good fun and games. <laughs> that way, the whole purpose of negative gossip to upset someone, to put them down, is completely undermined. So, summary, summarizing the talk, so gossip, bad speech, it's a waste of time, it doesn't make you a better person when you put down other people, it actually lessens you, certainly in the respect of others, and certainly in spirituality. People who gossip put down others, that just shows us how weak they are and how uh, unadvanced they are. And also, instead of negative gossip, it's much better to have the positive gossip. If you are going to talk about other people, talk about the nice things they did which means you get more into praise and less into fault-finding, which means that it's so easy to create harmony and peace in society, to have a much uh, uplifted mind, an inspired mind, an encouraged mind, rather than a negativity which leads to depression and even suicides, and just think, oh, what's the point? This whole world sucks, simply because of so much negativity which goes around. And instead, if you have to criticize someone, use sandwich technique, it really works with your kids. You can program your mindfulness to actually make sure you don't get into this negativity. Sandwich technique also, you're not criticizing the person, the act. And that way you can create a much better society, more harmonious, more cooperative, so you have much less pain in your office. People know how to work together, less politics. We can cooperate, we can work together both with ourselves and also in our society different countries, different religions, different world, it's too small a place to fight. We have to work together. One of the reasons why we don't work together is because of stupid bad speech, such as gossip, such as fault-finding. You know that's true in your relationships, how you live together. You can change it, it's not that hard to do. And if you can change it the way that husbands and wives talk to each other in Australia, Maybe, who knows, the way the Liberal Party and the Labour Party talk to each other, they may change. We can have a cooperative parliament. And who knows, who knows, maybe the way the President of the United States and the President of Al-Qaeda, Mr. Bin Laden, maybe they may be able to speak to each other better. Don't you want a nice world?
Maybe we can start by changing the way we speak. So be careful. Don't gossip bad things. And that's a talk on gossip tonight. Thank you. Okay. Now, has anyone got anything to say about this? Please don't tell other people about, oh, Ajahn Bum gave a terrible thing. You wouldn't guess what he said tonight. <laughs> anyone got any comments or questions about tonight's talk about gossip? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Your workshop today called Cooperative Learning. This is for this, yes. The rules for having kids working for groups in groups in schools, yes. Uh, you're saying that when uh, in some uh, classes where they're encouraging to work together as a group, some kids don't like that. They want to get to other classes. Is that what you're saying? Ah. Okay, the competitiveness, they're saying here that in, uh, in some schools where there is a group, uh, is encouraged and some children would go to other classes where they would think they could become more competitive and do better. I think the problem is better. What are we rewarding in our societies? Because whatever we are rewarding, that is what we're encouraging. That's the behavior which we are generating, whichever behavior we reward. So if you do reward the great competitors who beat their friends at all costs, if that's what we're rewarding, that's more what we get in our society. So a lot of times I think we should really be careful of what we reward in our school, in our house, and in our society. And if we give rewards to the cooperators, not just the competitors, know that about 15 months ago, I went to a conference in London, Human Resources, and I gave a speech there. And I also listened to another speech, which was done by the HR manager of the department, or one of the big government departments. And she was brilliant where she was saying that everybody had said that they wanted to reward cooperation, but eventually they found they were rewarding achievement. In other words, they said if these bureaucrats, they went to Brussels, part of the European Union, this was British government uh, department, if they went to Brussels and they got the agreement or the protocol signed and came back again, then they got the promotion. But because she was very active, she uh, managed to convince the minister, I think it was David Miliband at the time, she mentioned his name, an up-and-coming minister, I think he's moved to another department now, a foreign minister, I think, of Britain. But anyway, she, he, she convinced him not to reward the achievement, but to reward the process of actually how it was done. And she convinced him of this, and there was a big change in the whole ministry where the people who thought they were going to get promoted never got the promotions. Yeah, they got the agreement signed, but all the people who worked on that got fed up, got uh, 
left the, the whole um, department because of politics and no one was appreciated, it was just achievement at all costs. And so all the best people were leaving before. They got the, the thing signed, but they were leaving afterwards. And the whole ethos changed, not the achievements, but the process. So even if they didn't get the agreement signed in Brussels, but they had a cohesive, really hard-working group of people, and they felt happy to stay there afterwards, that team got the reward and promotion. Because they were rewarding the behavior they wanted to see in that department. And that's why, okay, they didn't get the agreement signed this time, but the next time they would. So they had the people, the personnel, the experience, and the, and the motivation. So in any society, either a school, a monastery, Buddhist society, or a little family, what do you want to see grow? That's what we have to reward. So we need cooperation. It's vital in our world. Just, we don't get on together. Why? Because the abilities to get on together are not being rewarded. Solo effort is rewarded. So, we should give more scholarships. That's why I say just give more points to people who work together. And then those kids will realize, yeah, if I really want to get on and go to university, I've got to be able to cooperate. So I think you get the, get the point there. So, maybe I should apply to be education minister? <laughs> okay. Anyway, I think that's enough for this evening. So you've all been educated and hopefully you understand. Be careful. If you can't improve upon the silence, keep this shut. Okay, and anyone who can't keep this shut, I think the Buddhist society, we've got quite a bit of duct tape left over from the last retreat. If you want to take some for your partner or more likely for yourself, <laughs> it'd be a very good thing to do. But uh, we don't need duct tape, we just need mindfulness and a bit of restraint. So thank you for listening this evening. Supati Pano Bhagavato Sawaka Sango Sankang Namami <laughs>